0: Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen.
1: He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. First priority, that those disciples who in a moment he will call apostles, that they would be with him. And that's his first priority for you.
0: Today we are in Mark chapter three, starting in verse 13. We have part two of Pastor Sam's message, Religious or Righteous. Herein we begin with the appointment of the 12 apostles and their first works together. Pastor Sam shows us a stark contrast between the religious and those made righteous by our Lord. Let's listen in.
1: Not what you can do for him or how many people you talk to about him, How many people you share the gospel with? Listen, we should be doing those things. But more than anything, he wants us to walk with him. And one reason for that is, well, it's very simple. He says, abide in me, because unless you do, you'll bear no fruit. But if you abide in me, well, there'll be some pruning. We don't always love that, but it's necessary. And then as he prunes, there'll be more fruit. And ultimately, as we continue to abide in him, there will be much fruit and all that to the glory of the Father. Abundant fruit. Fruit that remains. That's what it's all about. So so walking with him, being with him, not just learning from him and working for him, but being with him. That's his priority for every one of us. And it's another of those. Well, Those stark contrasts between a religious person and a righteous person because religious people busy themselves trying to do for Jesus without realizing what he most wants is an intimate relationship with them and they with him. Well, the second priority then is to go out and represent him. He's going to change their title. They had the little thing that said, you know, disciple. And now they're going to get the apostle badge. And, uh, and as they go out, they will be empowered by him. He's been training them. We saw that in our first study and some in our second. He has been an example to them. He's been showing them what he's going to have them do. Now he's going to send them out and empower them to do it. An apostle is an ambassador and an ambassador goes with the full authority of the one who sends him. That's how the ambassadors for the, uh, the United States work. If they're in a foreign country, they go and when they say, hey, this is what America wants. This is what they're saying. They're sending me. Here's what we want. He has the full authority. She has the full authority to represent our country. And that's what he gives to them. And by the way. In Christ, though no, we're not apostles as they were, the, 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 you know, the requirements were sort of narrow and we're not going to meet them. We're still being sent out for him as long as we're first sitting in his presence, listening to him, learning from him. And then we're going out doing what he's instructing us to do. Many, many disciples were following him. We just read it. They came from everywhere and many had decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be one of his. But in John 6, 6, 6, easy to remember. Many went away and walked with him no more. It's a radical thing that people choose to follow Jesus. And at some point something happens and they're like, I'm just I'm not going to do it. I prayed and he didn't answer or I wanted this and he didn't give me it, or, or I, 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 I saw this coming and I said, Lord, don't let that happen, but he let it happen. Listen, we don't understand how God works or, or why he works the way he does, but here's what we're sure of. He loves us and nothing, nothing happens to us that he doesn't take notice of. Nothing happens to us that he's not aware of. And listen, he uses everything because he says all things work together for good. That means when we do good, good results. When we don't do good, he says, I can turn that around and make it work together for good. When horrible things happen, he says, I have something I can do with this and in this. So all things working together for good. Well, he gives them power because, listen, He's going to send them out to do the impossible. If you're going to do the impossible, it would be good to get power from the one who makes all things possible. He sends them out, having trained and empowered them to heal and to cast out demons and to well, again, his first priority in sending them out is that they would preach, preach what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the message they went out with, today the message is a simple gospel. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. There's life and forgiveness in him. He lists the apostles. I'll just read them and make a couple comments on them. We don't need to develop it because they'll be the rest of the story pretty much. Simon to whom he gave the name Peter. Simon means read, Peter means rock. Peter thought he was a rock. Jesus said, no, you're Simon. You are a reed. I'm going to make you a rock. But I'm sure he's like, you know, he calls me Rocky. He's just that kind of guy, right? James, the son of Zebedee and John, the brother of James. These three are listed first because these three are his inner circle. Some say it's because they had the greatest potential. I agree. The greatest potential for good and they were the most dangerous to other people. It's sort of like, I'm going to go pray up there. You guys come with me. I'm going to go pray over there. You guys come with me. Whenever he got alone, he made sure they were close enough to say, hey, uh -uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. And, you know, James and John, they're the two. When the Samaritans, when they disrespect Jesus, I mean, that's a sin. But when they disrespect Jesus, they're like, give us the word and we'll call fire down out of heaven and destroy them, just like Elijah and I'm thinking, these guys know the law, right? It's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The worst you could do if someone disrespect you is a little trash talk. Disrespect them back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about? So, so here's the thing. That's, I'm not very good at trash talk. But <laughs> nevertheless, I was a fast runner, though. And so uh, that matters in Chicago where they only have two kind of people, the quick and the dead. So uh, anyway, Simon Peter... Simon, who becomes a rock, James and John. And it's interesting because John becomes the apostle of love. He becomes this guy that's just like you read first and second and third John, especially. Read those latter letters, and, and he is so changed. But they were fiery and passionate, and he, he called them sons of thunder. I've always believed, because Zebedee is dad, that thunder had to be mom. So, anyway. Three radicals, inner circle. Then there's Andrew. That's Peter's brother. He has a habit of bringing people to Jesus. You got to appreciate that. And there are some among us. They're always like, hey, I brought this guy and he just gave his life to the Lord. I invited my neighbor and they just raised their hand and they come up with them. And I'm like, you again, huh? And it's like there are just some of us. Not that... All of us shouldn't or all of us don't share the Lord. Some people, they just see more fruit. Don't be discouraged, by the way, if you share the Lord with 50 people and none come to the Lord. That 51st might be the one. And listen, more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. So never tire of telling people about the one who gave his life for us and for them. Well, Andrew, and then there's Philip. He's an evangelist. Bartholomew, don't know much about him. I'm sure he doesn't mind. Matthew, formerly Levi, the tax collector. It was his party where Jesus was, well, censored by the religious leaders for eating with people like that. How could he sit at a table with tax collectors in sinners. Well, Thomas, famous for doubting. And um, my middle name happens to be Thomas. So pardon me if I'm a little bit of a a skeptic. Come from Missouri. At least least live some of my life there. That's the show me state. So I'm not someone who just automatically believes everything. I, I, I do what the Bible says. I'm a Berean. I search the scriptures daily to see if those things are so. And again, we're all called To do the same. James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Verse 20 says the multitudes came together again, so they could not so much as eat bread, but when his own people, that would be his family, right, they heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. We're going to see his mother and his brothers and, and uh, doesn't mention Joseph. So don't know if he's, you know, already passed on or something at this point. But here's what we do know, that Jesus' brothers at this point don't yet believe in him. But, you know, after he dies on the cross, after he's buried, after he rises again, I'm sure he dropped by to see the fam and, and all of a sudden they believe. And listen. It's fine if, if, if people you are talking to or even if some of you, you're like, I'm just, I, I need more evidence. I want to say all the evidence you need is in this book. Read the Bible. Read the Gospels. Start in the Gospels. Start with John's Gospel. He says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life in his name. He tells us the express purpose of his gospel is to bring you to faith in him. So if you don't yet believe, become a believer. And if you're like, I need evidence, read the word. The evidence is there for you. His own people, they come, they think he's lost it. They've heard about what he's been saying. They've heard about what he's doing. No doubt. They're concerned that the religious leaders are getting more uptight over the The crowds that are following him. So they come. And the only two, by the way, early on that knew who Jesus was, was Joseph and Mary. Joseph, because an angel appeared to him. Mary, because the same angel appeared to her. They knew because they were told that this child who would be born to her would be the son of God. So the rest of the family had to kind of wait it out until he proved himself to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. Now, a horrific accusation followed by a reasoned refutation. The scribes, verse 22, who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. Are they really saying Jesus is demon possessed? He has Beelzebub? Means the Lord of the flies, by the way, and if you do any picnicking, you know why. But anyway, he, they're, they're actually attributing the miraculous, wondrous works of God to demonic spirits, to Satan himself. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How? Can Satan cast out Satan? I mean, does that make any sense? Does it even sound possible? See, the problem they had was this. Jesus' miracles were undeniable. They saw them. Everyone saw them. And now they have to provide some kind of explanation, either fall on your knees and say, you must be the Christ, the son of the living God. Or... Well, they come up with this. No, it's Satan working in Jesus. And it's Jesus working for Satan. So he goes on to point out the complete idiocy of such a thought. Verse 24 says, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Listen, this is so practical. Husbands, wives, dads, moms, brothers, sisters... That a house divided cannot stand. And so you need to know this, that if there's division in the home, God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of the division. All we need to do, and it's the only thing that will work, is get into the word of God and agree on it. Pam and I have been married so long that sometimes it's hard for me to remember. But um, 1974... So you can do the math. I think that's 44 years, right? Almost 44 years. This, this Christmas Eve, 44 years. So anyway, we've been married all those years. And when we first married, she had this expectation. I was a hippie musician, by the way. And she had this expectation that someday I was going to grow up and be like her grandfather, who was an engineer. He fabricated the claw that first picked stuff up on the moon. I had trouble you know, changing spark plugs in our VW, although I could do that. and uh, But the point is, I was never going to be like him. I'm not anything like him. I'll never be like him. I thought she was going to have dinner on the table by five o'clock, like my grandma always did when my grandpa came home. I'd come home at five o'clock. I didn't smell anything. I'd find her wrapped up in a bunch of wet sheets with fans all over her because we didn't have any air conditioning and it was summer in Chico. But all all I'm saying by this is that, that we had lots of discussions and we had lots of things we didn't agree on or understand about each other, but we never let it divide us. Why? Because once we came to Christ, we had this book and we had the word to say, here's how God wants us to do it. We always agree when we're in the word and oftentimes still don't when we're not. So a house divided, it's not going to stand. Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the United States of America. One nation under God. And I want to say a nation divided cannot stand. We're not united today because we're not under God as a nation. Unlike Jesus who prayed to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. It's our will, our desires, our plans, our pleasure, not his that most are living for. Now, we can't do much about what other people are doing, but we have everything to do with what we do, who we live to glorify and and whose agenda we're pursuing, ours or his. So again, in this situation, Satan wasn't using Jesus. Jesus was taking from him those who'd been deceived by him, ensnared by him, oppressed, even possessed by him. And then Jesus says in verse 28, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. Calling the Holy Spirit Satan, that's crossing the line Jesus says you can't come back from. And I want to assure all of you today, in case you think, what if I have blasphemed the Holy Spirit? I can promise you, you haven't. Here's why. You wouldn't be here. He wouldn't allow you, not the Holy Spirit, but the one who you've actually submitted your life to, He wouldn't allow you to be in the presence of real worship and God's people and Bible teaching and, and people who just love Jesus and love you. Now listen, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was attributing to the Holy Spirit all the unholiness of the enemy of our souls. He says it's the unforgivable sin that's huge because he says all other sins can be and will be forgiven but listen listen though the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only forgivable sin there are other sins that will not be forgiven why because unconfessed sin is retained. Unless you believe I am, Jesus says you will die in your sin. If you deny Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection of the life, the Son of God and God the Son, if you deny Him, you die in your sin. That's not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's a sin that can be forgiven. Why? Because you can turn and say, okay, I've denied him, but Lord, now I want to I give my life to you. Now I do believe in you. And so it's so important that we get this. Unforgivable sin, it's the only sin that can't be forgiven, but it's not the only one that won't be forgiven. So unconfessed sin retained. I made the short list. Unrepentant sin retained. Unforgiving sinners He'll deal with that later, unforgiven. Justified, rationalized, redefined sins can't be forgiven. I can say, oh, Lord, you know, forgive me my indiscretions. They're not indiscretions, they're sins. And we need to call sin, sin. And that's something that's happening in our culture and even in churches. As people redefine what sin is and redefine what everything is, what marriage is, what what reality is. Man, people are getting themselves in the corner and, and we need to go to them and just lovingly say, listen, none of that's right. Here's what's right, here's what's true. Here's the good news. We can turn from, repent of, confess our sin and find forgiveness for any sin except that sin, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Well, here at the end, We see two families. It's fitting as we prepare to share in communion because I heard someone recently say we're all children of God. That's not what the Bible teaches and I'll read you something in a moment that says so. But there's a physical, temporal, natural family. We're all born into one of those. It's physical, it's temporal, it's natural. Then there's a spiritual, eternal, supernatural family. In order to be a part of that one, you must be born Again, You must be born of the Holy Spirit. You must be forgiven your sin and given life in him. So his brothers, verse 31, and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him and they said to him, look, your mother, your brothers, they're outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brother's? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. He's not denying he has a natural family. He's just saying the supernatural family. Well, it's greater. Why? Because it's eternal, not temporal. We don't love our families less because we're in Christ. And if they're not, we don't love them less because they're not. We love them more. We love on him and do good to him and for him because we want them to know him. John 1 10 says he was in the world and the world did not know him. The world was made by him, but did not know him. He came into his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to these, he gave power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on him. His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. So the question before we share in communion today, are you a child of God or are you just a religious guy or gal? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Because if he is, you have his righteousness. When you stand before the Father, he sees his son. This is so important of a concept. I look at me and I see my sin. He looks at me and he sees his son. You may be the most honest, moral person you know, but unless you're in Christ Jesus, you're still dead in trespasses and sin. You might be so corrupt, you can't believe God would forgive you. But if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Listen, Righteousness is relational and it's imparted only by Jesus. The sinners who knew they were sinners, they flocked to him. The self-righteous religious hypocrites, they had nothing but hatred and animosity toward him. Billions of religious people will join the billions of people who never believed at all. And they'll join them in a Christless eternity in a real place called hell. How do I know? Matthew 7, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Only to hear him say, I never knew you. Lord, I pray that no one here will ever
0: hear those words. When we look at religion, there's just so many of them. And of course, the greatest difference between Christianity and all the others is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But aside from that, perhaps the greatest difference is that Christianity is a relationship, a relationship with the God that created you. Now, according to the Bible, what's our role in this relationship? It's to have fellowship with him. First John 1.7 tells us that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And it's because of this fellowship that the fruit Pastor Sam talked about It surrounds me And your peace It fills my